You're listening to the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Grayson Students. I am Eleanor Johnson, one of those students, and I'll be having a chat with barristers and wannabe barristers alike to demystify the route to the bar. Today we're chatting to Riyaz Hussein QC from Atkin Chambers. He works in commercial law, specialising in construction and was called to the bar in 2001 before being made a QC in 2016. Riaz is on the Scholarships Committee and is here to chat to us about scholarships. Welcome. Thank you, Elena, and I'm particularly excited to be here because until a few days ago I didn't know what a podcast was, <laughs> so I'm very proud to be actually Quick education. on one. <laughs> um, now this might seem quite an obvious question, um, but it's one which, to be honest, a year and a half ago I wasn't too sure about myself. What is a Grays Inn Scholarship? Uh, well, Grays Inn Scholarships are money provided by Grays Inn to students to put towards um, the BBTC fees and possibly the expenses uh, relating to that year of, the, of their studies or two years. And it's important to understand that this is not a loan. This is money that you're given to spend on the course fees and, and your uh, living expenses for the year. And there's a surprisingly large pot of money that Grayson has on an annual uh, basis reserved for the scholarships. I believe uh, it's something around 1.2 million. Mm. And uh, we give a fair amount of scholarships each year. And there's quite a high success rate, isn't there, for scholarships? I think 55% of BPT applications, that's the pretty impressive. So as well as the um, success rate, what other reasons would you say there are for applying for these scholarships? Well, I think the the success rate and the, the amount of money that Grays has is definitely uh, one of the things. And I think it's 55% of those interviewed um, then actually get the scholarship. But I think around two thirds of applicants are actually invited to an interview. So we give out typically about over 50 scholarships a year. Uh, and the first benefit obviously is the money. There's no secret that the, um, the cost of tuition at the bar are getting higher and higher. It's in some cases not feasible for people to work at the same time as undertaking the BPTC, certainly full time. So um, the scholarships really help towards that. The second thing I think uh, is that it helps set you out as a candidate for pupillage. Um, certainly I know that many chambers will see an award of a scholarship as an accolade that a, an applicant has been assessed by barristers at Gray's Inn and found to have uh, met the criteria, which are essentially about the, the potential to be a good barrister. So it really helps you stand out uh, and solidify your, your application um, for pupillage. It's also a great test, um, the interview process itself and selling yourself as a candidate on the application form are really a good kind of primer for applying for pupillage itself. So I think those are really the uh, three big benefits, I think. So obviously we've, we've spoken about the uh, financial benefit and how sort of a stamp of approval. Um, I'd like to emphasize really that it's, although it might seem a little bit cynical to sort of be speaking about the money, it really is such an important factor. And like you were saying, the course fees are so expensive. I know part of the reason I applied to Grays was because I sort of worked out some statistics and worked out you know, how many scholarships they give compared to the applicants. Um, also though, it's so important to, as I think you were sort of highlighting, the, the interview technique and there are so many other benefits, including how friendly the atmosphere of Grays is. And speaking about the interviews, um, 
I know I was a little bit scared, obviously, as you always are for an interview, but everyone was super friendly, super chill, very much wanting you to succeed in this interview and wanting you to get this scholarship. So if you are thinking of applying, I think that's really something to consider as well. Yeah, yeah I concur with that. I think there's a lot of camaraderie between the barristers on the scholarships committee. There's, mm. a, there's a wide mix of us in terms of a range of call and the areas that we work in. Um, and I think that's deliberate, a good deliberate attempt by the education department to have a wide mix of people doing the interviews. Uh, but what that also means is that um, you get exposed to, you will likely get exposed to at least one barrister who does the kind of work that you want to do. And that creates another opportunity for um, mentoring, networking, getting very sound advice from uh, the people interviewing you as to what to do next. And um, When you're on the interview panel and you're talking to somebody who wants a scholarship, what sort of things are you looking for? What qualities are you hoping to see? Uh, well, we have four criteria uh, for assessing uh, candidates, uh, and those are intellectual ability, the motivation to succeed as a barrister and practice, the potential to succeed as a barrister, which can, which goes beyond your ability uh, intellectually. So it's a lot about so your sort advocacy. Sort of something that you you have, maybe just just have. Yeah, your or... advocacy skills as well that we try and bring out in, in the interview questions, mm. and then finally uh, marks for um, your personal traits and you know how you've been involved in in the wider community as well. Right. So those are really the four criteria we look at. And, and the first part of doing that is obviously your written application. Grays is unlike some of the other sets in that we do a paper sift before we invite candidates to interview. And I think a lot of young people applying will think, well, is this right for me? Am I better off going somewhere where I'm guaranteed an interview? Um, that's a legitimate question. But I, what I've found is that a lot of people come to the conclusion that actually it's better to be assessed on paper and then selectively invited for interview because that gives you, you got a that better bit of confidence, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, clearly, and it gives you a better understanding of um, whether there's anything, whether your paper application is good enough or or not. So yeah, uh, I think we started with the paper application. It's important to do justice to yourself in that. Obviously, your grades will be your grades, but I think we we look at them contextually. Uh, we try very hard to do that. So for instance. If you're the first person in your family to go to university, if you've had caring responsibilities while being at university, if you feel that a certain part of your grade doesn't do justice to your abilities, then I think you should bring that out in the, in the form, and the form allows you to do that. I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually, because I was going to say, you know, I was slightly wary when applying. I'm a first-generation student myself, state school educated. I think it's quite easy to have that, you know, what some people call that imposter syndrome, where... You sort of think, oh, this place isn't for me. Um, everyone else is going to be from a, a certain type of background. Why am I even applying? But I think instead of hiding those qualities, it really, really helped me to highlight them and to sort of show that, yes, I might not be from what you might stereotypically think of as a barrister's background, but I'm suited to this for reasons X, Y, Z. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up, and I'm glad that I've sort of you've said as well that's definitely a good idea. Yeah, I think it's, it's important before you do any application to sit down and have a think about what you're proud of in terms of mm. your own achievements, rather than just try and answer each question kind of in a, in a formulaic way. And you need to have that kind of idea and inner confidence and then put, put it out there. You're selling yourself in that application. Yeah, do tell your story, tell your journey and, and put, give a context to those grades. And the second thing is um, don't lose sight of the fact that ultimately we're looking for good advocates. 
Uh, and advocacy obviously can come through uh, mooting and debating and so on and so forth. But it can come through many everyday things, persuading someone to donate money to a particular cause, working with even young people and, and convincing them of one way or the other to do something. Think about ways in which you can kind of highlight the advocacy you've done. It could even be a paper you've written and defended a university. So do, do keep sight of that. I think a really useful way I found to sort of work out how I matched the four, four criteria that you were talking about was I sort of, I wrote them on a piece of paper and I sort of made little mind maps underneath of all the things that I had done. And then I sort of matched the criteria to the experience that you've had. And often, like you said, you realise that things you think might be completely irrelevant are actually really helpful. You know, like if you've worked in Tesco, you might have really good people skills and you might be able to chat to clients and get people on your side, be able to persuade them. So I think coming up with those sort of matching what you've done with the qualities can really help you and make you realise actually how good you are and how much you you really do deserve a scholarship definitely um i think finding that the the kind of good in what you've done the 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 qualities that that kind of exhibits even if it's just hard work Mm. i mean one really impactful sentence i found in an application was someone had put down a list of work experience they've done and they, they put down pot washer washing pots and they said skills learnt I learned that I didn't want to do this for the rest of my life and I needed to work hard on my exams right. and I thought that was um, quite impactful mm. I mean not su- suggesting everyone says that but no. it gives you an idea <laughs> you suddenly have a lot of pot washers applying yeah. this year yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I would say is if you do have work experience many pupilages you've witnessed a case and so on and so forth the, the temptation is to put it down in the application and you will be busy you will, you'll be making lots of applications at the same time but before you come to interview revisit that mm. uh, and try and have a good punchy sentence or two sentences for what you actually did so often what we find is that a candidate will have said I went to such and such chambers and I saw a really interesting case involving a football stadium and then we'll say okay that becomes a talking point so one of the interviewers will say tell me the legal principles involved and often this will be three, four years in the mm. past and the student will then maybe stumble. So actually, I don't particularly remember that. Mm. So do try and refresh and remember what you've put in the um, in the application. Again, um, a really helpful way that I found to do that actually was to sort of write down everything that you've put in the application. And then underneath there's something called the STAR technique. Uh, on the spot here, I can't exactly remember the science. Something like situation, task, action, reflection maybe. And you sort of write, you know, what the situation was, what you had to do, what you did in relation to that, and then reflect upon it and what you learned. And I found that when I got to the interview, when somebody said, for example, what did you learn in this mini pupillage? I'd be able to think back to those notes and think, oh, this is the situation, this is what I did. But it was, as you said, it's so easy to sort of write something down having forgotten about it completely. Unfortunately, a lot of a lot of inter- interview technique is just preparation, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and I think um, what I tell certainly the young people, the people that come to of all ages that come to do work experience with me is that just keep a diary what you're doing, mm. because three, four years down the line, you will not remember and you won't be able to give a succinct answer of what was the principle involved in the case you looked at or what what a value you added to that. So I think that's quite important. Uh, but a large part of the interview exercise is that you're given a, a, a topic to look at um, and then make a presentation on, um, argue for or against it. And you get that kind of rapid fire questioning from the from the panel. It's not done in a scary way. 
I, I think I can say that fairly, even though I'm yeah, on the they're, panel. They're pretty friendly, yeah, yeah. It's done in a way to allow you to excel, but it was also to test how, how well you stand your ground. And that can often make a big difference for someone who perhaps was okay but average on paper, but who does, has a standout interview and advocacy during the interview. That can really, really help. Mm, and it's, it's really helpful as well, isn't it, that to really think of arguments for and against something. Um, when you see something on the news, a, a good tip I've heard is that you might see something on the news you don't actually have that many opinions on. It's not something you're actually that passionate about, but it's a really good exercise to think if I'm arguing for this being correct, for example, I say this, if I'm arguing against, and to keep a little notebook with a little for and against for sort of different areas. And I was lucky in that by keeping up to date with the news in that way, something that I'd be reading about in the news came up in in the interview so I sort of I thought about it already and it's definitely not a case of as you were saying it's about your advocacy so obviously it's not giving arguments parrot fashion but I think it's an element of confidence sort of going in there feeling actually yes I know what's going on in the world I know how to argue about it and even if something comes up that you've never heard of you'll be able to think of something. Yeah I think we try to give questions that are quite accessible Mm. so they would either be issues of ethics or, or, or policy that you will necessarily need to have a lot of background knowledge about. So that's that's useful. And a lot of the value added is not necessarily in, in quote, in case law statutes. We're not expecting that. It's not mm. a legal question. No. But it's really in, in the clarity of your thought and then how you answer the questions and, and defend your proposition. So it's it's quite a fair test, I think. Um, and it allows, it's really one of those that's allowed to, intended to allow you to, to shine and show your best best face. And you've spoken about defending your proposition. If the interviewer starts arguing against what you've said, what would you recommend? Like, are you meant to just sort of stand back and go, oh yeah, you're correct? Or is it to sort of show that you're defending your... Well, I your think you, you have to engage with a question. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't try and put you off. I hope we don't. No, um, no, no, not at all. But you're there arguing a case. So you certainly, it's not a, it's not a chat. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to um, have that instinct of when to say, well, actually, in that situation, perhaps my proposition doesn't apply. Mm. However, that generally, I think it does. I mean, you've got to kind of, it's very similar to advocacy. Mm. You're very rarely going to go into a court and say, what I'm suggesting for my client must apply to everyone in the world, because you would be making your task a lot harder. So it's it's really drawing that that judgment, but being firm, clear uh, in terms of your thinking and your presentation. And of course, another part of the application process is the financial form. I just wanted to have a brief chat about this because it took me so much longer than I thought it would. It was, um, you know, so it's just a few questions. I thought, oh, you know, a few few numbers, put it in there, it'll be fine. But actually, I think if you really want to, particularly for the residential scholarship, which is something we haven't spoken about too much yet, it really helps to be able to have some sort of actual evidence for why you need the scholarship and why you, um, yeah, it, it essentially means testing. So I think one, one bit of advice I would say is leave enough time for that bit. Yeah, definitely. I think what we often, well, not often, but sometimes surprisingly find is that uh, very good candidates who do uh, merit a higher award because of their financial circumstances mm. will have just left that blank or oh, right. not filled it out particularly well. And we do then write to them and say, look, can you, can you provide more information? But it makes our task a lot easier and makes your prospects a lot better. If you give it a really good go, engage with the, um, the questions that have been put to you, they're quite easy to kind of answer mm. and, and respond to. And we, we very much have an ethos at Grace where we 
uh, the scholarships committee understands i call it a crisis a crisis of social mobility and, and, and financial dire straits that many people find themselves in. So the, the scholarships are still very much merits-based. You have mm. to have that potential to succeed contextually. But there is a minimum award that everyone gets, which I believe is now £5,000. Uh, but anything on top, and we, uh, you know, our average um, scholarship is nine, over nineteen thousand two hundred pounds at the moment. So helpful for, yeah. for the course fees. And so th- all of that will be done based on the financial information you provide. And uh, we actually do it in two stages. So first, we decide who is to be awarded a scholarship, which is merits based, and then the committee sits, or a subset of the committee sits, and decides who gets more than five thousand and how much. And it's at that stage that we have to make some pretty quick decisions uh, and be quite decisive. And we really need that financial information to to assist us. And uh, one thing that we've just touched on, uh, but to talk a bit more about, is the residential scholarships. And that can really, really help when you need it financially and also for other reasons. So you can actually briefly tell us, what are the residential scholarships? Uh, so the residential scholarships, I understand, uh, I've not been involved in actually selecting people for them, allow you to actually reside in Gray's Inn with other residential scholars, which living in central London will save you a heap of money. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but also you'll be in the heart of the legal world. You won't be very far. You'll be a hop, skip and jump away from your bar school. Uh, so that will make your life easier. Mm. But the, the, the other important thing is that you will be really enriched by your contact with the inn. And I think that's one of the main criteria for offering the residential scholarship is that we're looking for people who will be happily involved in various aspects of the of the life of the inn, whether that be the student governance of, um, of, of the inn bodies or getting involved in the inn's various social initiatives and so on, which are, again, great fun, but a fantastic way uh, to meet um, senior barristers and network. I don't think anyone does them with that uh, motive at the front of their mind, but it's a, it's a great kind of byproduct, a natural byproduct of being involved in the inn. I can really attest for everything you just said, actually. Yeah, I'm a residential scholar myself, and it's absolutely incredible to be living in Grey's Inn, and everyone is really, really friendly. They really want you to get involved. I'm doing the Christmas play this year, which would be quite interesting. Uh, had a couple of rehearsals already underway. Um, yeah, it's amazing to live in central London. You don't pay rent as a residential scholar, which again, obviously in central London is absolutely amazing. And all of the people who also live here, we all get on really well. It's a really nice community. And I'd really recommend if anybody is thinking about applying to just apply because I didn't really expect to get it. I think uh, at the moment there are 14 places uh, we're looking to expand. So hopefully there'll be more in the near future. I think it's important to emphasise as well that it's a proper grown-up flat. It's not. It's um, lovely. It's yeah. not a dormitory. Or I was quite surprised. Yeah. I used to student accommodation, and uh, it was. Uh, they change the flats every so often, so it could be rented to a barrister. It could be rented to you. So it's it's pretty lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> and, it's a win-win. Yeah. So definitely apply because I wasn't really thinking I'd get one, but we just go for it. Um, so I think the the last thing to reach out about is the next steps so if you are thinking of applying for a scholarship the deadline for bptc scholarships is friday 1st of november 2019 and the gdl scholarships open in march 2020 and close on the 1st of may 2020 so next steps i imagine get started as early as possible with your applications your tattoo that deadline on on your forehead don't miss it practice prepare have a good go at the application 
if you have any questions always you can ring up the education department there's always someone there willing to kind of assist you uh, we really want the application process to be as open and easy as possible and yeah do some serious thinking don't treat it as, as just a form to fill in mm. try and sell yourself in the best way possible and also um set out what your needs are and, and why you need the money as well get everyone to read it get your anyone to read it at all actually i think it does help getting someone to read it who doesn't really know you and then asking them how they'd summarize you having read your form that's always quite a useful one um so yeah, as you said tattoo it on your forehead and don't miss it yes definitely well thank you so much for coming to chat to us today that was really interesting and I'm sure everyone will find it really useful it's a pleasure uh, it's Riyas Hussein QC and thank you for listening <laughs>